boom, 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 boom. Bang, 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 bang. How, 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 how. How, 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 how. What up, world? Welcome to another episode of the RJO Show. My name is RJO Choa, your humble host. I am a staff writer at InsideTheStar.com, your home for the best Dallas Cowboys news and analysis on the web. I am also the host of Ocho Live, the only daily Dallas Cowboys video streaming option which you can watch on Twitter, Periscope, or the Inside the Star Facebook live feed. The RJO Show is presented to you by Slant Sports Audibles, and we here talk about the National Football League every week, all the time, all different timelines, any and all universes. That's what we do, and this week we're doing it with a good friend, RJO Show alum, Jimmy Jalasethna. What's going on, James? Not much, man. How are you doing? I am doing well. Uh, I'm really excited. I love it when you come on here. Um, you know, we're just two two pals talking football, talking some pigskin. Eighth appearance, man. The Ocho appearance on the Ochoa show. Do you feel? Um, do you? Does, I mean, there should be like a a, a like a legitimate like trophy or um, like a sash. That you get to wear for the eighth appearance, like the like to your point, the Ocho appearance. I don't think I'd ever wear a sash. You got to think of something better than that. You know, I've worn a sash once in my life. And, that doesn't surprise me. Well, so you and I met in college at Texas A and M University. Giggum. Whoop. And um, this was before then. This was this was a life before Jimmy for me. Uh, it was when I was a senior in high school. And, you know, I'm sure you had something similar if you're listening. You definitely went through something like this. They do class superlatives, you know, where they do it at some type of banquet or function or whatever. And, and everybody gets well, – I don't say everybody gets one, but a lot of people get one. And I got one. So, Jimmy, you've known me for, what, um, eight years now? Ocho years, Probably, yeah. amazingly. So what do you think – because I've never told you this – What? do you think I want? What high school superlative did R.J. Ochoa win? Most annoying? That that it's hurtful. It's really, it's really, it's really hurtful. That's what I you mean, think. How far off am I? What, what'd you get it for? It's actually, I would say the opposite um, is what I want. Now, I will say I was nominated for, although I don't think this is true, uh, and I didn't win, worst driver. I've, you've been in a car with, that I've been driving. I think I'm a fantastic driver. So, I don't know if I have been in the car with you. I'm, what what you get it for, though? I won most courteous. Thank you very much. Uh, it's all fake. I I won. Everyone listening, <laughs> it's all fake. It's a show. I I won most courteous. I've got the sash to prove it. Well, I probably don't have it anymore, but still, I've got the metaphorical sash to prove it. No, take it away. We're starting this podcast like an hour after we originally planned. How is that most courteous? Well. You know, I've been waiting for you for look, an hour. Look, most courteous. Yeah, right. T- time, Take it off. time is subjective. Okay, so, uh, but uh-huh. before bef- before we get to talking some some NFL news, let's let's peel back a layer of the onion that is Jimmy Jowl. who you can and absolutely should follow on Twitter at the Jimmy Jowl. You know, I'm apparently a narcissistic person according to Jimmy, but he's the one who has the in his Twitter handle, whatever. But, Jimmy, did you win any high school class superlatives? We didn't have a whole lot at mine. It was more of like a 
four or five awards. And I went to a high school that had a graduating class of 800 something people. I was like one of the runner ups for best personality, believe it or not. What a um, what a horrible thing to be the runner up for. You know, like, man, your personality is it's okay. It's just not the best. Well, there's 800 something kids, you know, half of which are males. So to be one of the top five or whatever, I think that's good. My mom congratulated me. She liked it. Well, she raised a very great boy. She did. Do you think she still walks around to this day telling people my my son almost was the most uh, the best personality in his high school graduating class? No, I don't think she remembers my mom. I also have a brother, and then we have a dog. And very often she will call me my brother's name or the dog's name and then get to my name. So I don't know. I don't know. Maybe she's getting old. Well, you know, we're all getting old. I, I really hate that phrase. You know, he's not getting any younger. Who is? Like, who? literally name me one person who's getting younger. Rob Lowe. That's a great answer. <laughs> I think that's the answer. Okay. Well, on that note, you know, Rob Lowe once proclaimed that Peyton Manning was done with football. I don't know if you knew that, if you remember that. He, yeah, he, he said that, that. And, and then Peyton Manning came back, uh, I don't want to say out of retirement, but, you know, out of his injury situation and, uh, you know, captained the Broncos fairly nicely, got, won a Super Bowl. So good job, Rob. Yeah. We all make mistakes. Anyway, so let's talk NFL. You know, that's what we're doing here. That's why we lift all them weights. And we'll kick things off with Peyton's former team, who he joined in spite of what Rob Lowe said, the Denver Broncos. And you and I are recording this after Thursday night football. The San Diego Superchargers, Jimmy, finally getting a win after uh, after some serious heartbreak, 21-13 to in San Diego, the city that might not have football come 2017. What's your initial takeaway from this game? Uh, I think the big takeaway is how Trevor, Trevor Simeon played. We talked about this bad. before. Once teams get to see some gameplay of uh, their young quarterback or the opposing young quarterback, they figure out their tendencies. They take them away. He sucked. He was horrible today. Well, he attempted 50 passes. That's all. And how many did he complete? 30. For exactly for two hundred for how many yards two hundred thirty yards one touchdown he uh, he averaged four point six yards per completion yeah he was bad and most of that yardage came towards the end yeah well let's talk about the end because the Chargers you know through the first five weeks of the season have had some trouble closing out games you could make I think a a legitimate argument that the Chargers should be five and zero, or at least four and one, if they knew how to close games. And there was one point in time where the Chargers had a three score lead on the Broncos, and then that became a two score lead. And you kind of had this feeling like, oh no, they're going to do it again. And you know, before the game, Ian Rappaport of NFL Network reported that that Mike McCoy was was on the hottest of hot seats. That if he lost this game, he very well could be fired. Uh, midseason you know you only fire a coach midseason if things are truly terrible and the the Chargers were flirting with that line and so the Broncos narrow the gap and you know they go for an onside kick down 11 um, or excuse me down down eight and they get the onside kick and things start to feel like they're unraveling uh, but thankfully 
the Chargers were able to hold on. I think Mike McCoy probably fainted or vomited just out of uh, jubilation, perhaps. But, I mean, I think on, on one hand, you're happy for the Chargers. Just because they're, they're like that, oh, good for you type of team. But do you think that Mike McCoy is going to be coaching this team in 2017, whether they're in San Diego or Los Angeles or Venice or wherever the Chargers end up playing in 2017? So there's a lot of extenuating circumstances with this. Uh, you know, they lost last week to Oakland because we're a game-tying field goal. The holder fumbled the snap. They never got the kickoff. Mm-hmm. Uh there's zero fan support in San Diego right now. If you were watching the game, tons no of tons of orange jerseys, so yeah. many empty seats, so it's many ridiculous, so many orange yeah. jerseys. It, I, I thought it was a Broncos home game for a while. They've lost the city. You you keep talking about moving the franchise for so many years. You're gonna lose that fandom, especially when the team is struggling. So there's a lot of stuff going on right now. It's poor play, a lot of mental errors, and all the injuries. They've had so many injuries to key players. And I think they have more injuries, more guys on IR than the rest of the AFC combined. Well, remember so, remember the bet you made here was that the Chargers would suffer more players going to IR than the Browns and Bears would have combined wins. So Right, and there's just so much going on. All this other stuff, it's hard to just put the blame on Mike McCoy. But but they will, and that's the way. They will, but uh, they had a great win tonight against the Broncos. Very sloppy, settled for a lot of field goals early, which made the game close at the end. But it's a statement win. You can start to turn around the season. If you can get the team to even 8-8, eight and eight, I think you roll with them next year. I think that this is the kind of win that the locker room really needs and the locker room really rallies around Mike McCoy for. So I think you're right. I think, okay, you know, we're not that we're not those losers that just fall apart in the fourth quarter. We can do this. I think it was good for team morale. The last thing I want to talk about when it comes to the game of it, the, the X's and O's sort of um, aspect. And it should be noted by the way, that Phillip rivers passed Dan Fouts tonight to become the chargers all time leading passer. One of the most underrated quarterbacks of his generation. I think people don't really appreciate Phillip rivers and, and what he's done uh, despite what he hasn't had around him and that includes his head coaches but so at one point the Broncos were down 11 and they were driving there's a minute and change left on on the clock and this is something I've discussed before with my dad and with my cousin and um and I just call it my theory it's really all all I call it and it's something I've put into practice in Madden which obviously makes it foolproof um Mm -hmm. but if if you're down 10 or 11 points in other words, if you're down a touchdown and a field goal and you're driving, in my opinion, take the field goal as early as possible. You hit the 30-yard line, I don't care if it's first down. I don't, even care, I don't care if it's first and one. Take the field goal. Because at that point, the enemy is not, you know, in this case for the Broncos, the Chargers, the enemy is the clock. Because you are going to need a touchdown and a field goal. You have to get both. It's not negotiable. The the enemy is the clock. You're trying to preserve time. You're trying to prolong life. You're trying to maximize odds. Why not take the field goal in that moment? Because the, the formula to win in that point or to have a chance is touchdown, field goal, onside kick. You have to get all three of those things, right? So if you have to get all three of those things in a finite amount of time, why not 
take the least amount of time to accomplish each one to maximize your odds. And we saw the Broncos try to force the touchdown issue and they gained five or six yards and they ended up kicking a field goal that they made. They cost themselves like 40 seconds. And I think those 40 seconds could have been incredibly critical after they got the onside kick. They, they went two thirds of the full way there. And if they'd had those extra 40 seconds, who knows, they might've gotten the touchdown. Right. So I agree in theory. I think if you've got some timeouts and it's under two minutes, maybe take a few more shots and go right, and try right, and get right. yeah, that I mean, score. Yeah, if you're sure. out of timeouts and it's under two minutes, kick the field goal. Like you said, once you get to that 30 or even the 25-yard line Chip where shot. the kick is a lot easier, you know, in theory it's a lot easier, um, I say that's the exact way to do it. Right, because— Take you're... the field goal, you know, depend on the onside kick. You're going to need it anyway— Get it over with. Save as much time as possible. Exactly. You have to get all of those things. You like you have to. And and getting the touchdown first doesn't diminish the importance of the others. And, and I think that teams get too wrapped up in the moment. Say, oh my gosh, we have to score. We have to score. We have to score. And in the process, you waste what becomes valuable time at the end that if you otherwise would have had, you might have been able to accomplish all three of those things. The Broncos fell one you know, legs short of the trifecta that they needed in this situation. That was just something I wanted to touch on. But some things that happened, you know, sort of within this game that weren't really about this game, two things. Uh, One of them, this was the first game where the NFL official team Twitter accounts had their new policy that they had to abide by. You know, you weren't here, Jimmy, but last week on the RJO show, I talked about this, how during the games, official team Twitter accounts can no longer tweet videos or GIFs of highlights of what's happened they can only tweet still frames or the gifts they tweet have to not have any type of highlight the only accounts that can do that are official nfl accounts and we got to see that in action tonight the chargers and broncos team twitter accounts having to tweet some kind of boring gifts and retweeting the nfl's you know highlights and you know again talked about this last week but just sort of seeing it tonight it was um i think it was proof that the product the product being the nfl experience was damaged yeah i think uh it's very short-sighted by the nfl in terms of what it means to fans you're restricting access to the fans anytime you do that i think it hurts the product but the nfl is about one thing and one thing only and that's making money absolutely the reason the NFL did this, and I haven't researched it, I haven't confirmed this at all, but I know this is the one and only reason is by having that ad revenue before the gifts, you know, where you're skipping the ads to watch the highlight of whatever yeah. touchdown. One Twitter account, the NFL Twitter account, funnel it all in, is able to show it. So yeah. the price tag goes up. If you want your commercials played, there's one Twitter account that has all the highlights, yep. Bud Light, Coors, whatever company you are. One price tag that we set, we're raising the bar, we're getting even more money if we're the NFL. As opposed to and 33. that's the only reason. Yeah, it hurts it, the fans, but it, it adds money to the pockets. That's the only reason they're doing it. No, and, and you know what? I mean, I agree with you. And I also, last week I touched on, I think it has a lot to do with, you know, TV ratings are, are down for the NFL. And I think... You know, there are times this past Monday night, you know, Panthers Bucks, I said that if you had if you had something to do, Jimmy, you know, on a Monday, that was the best Monday to do it. And and that was a game that you could keep up with on your phone, you know, on Twitter, on on whatever app you use to check the score. And 
But now, you know, because you used to, if you really had to, you used to be able to rely on your phone for highlights. Because if you, you're a Texans fan, you could follow the Texans account. They would tweet the highlights of all the scores. But now that's not there. They, they want to direct traffic. However it is, you're right, to their sources. That's what they want. But the other thing that I took away from this game that's about money, and you know, we didn't even mention this, but tonight's color rush uniforms were fantastic. I, I don't. I think you agree, Jimmy. This was probably the two best color rush uniforms we've seen. I like the Chargers ones. I like the Broncos helmet. I think that's the I general. I the Broncos that, uniform. That's, that's the it general. Looks like the Browns uniform. That's the which general. Might be why they played so badly? That's the general opinion. The Broncos helmets yeah. were awesome, but still, I think the best color rush matchup we've seen by far. Um, now, I don't know if you noticed this. I, 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 you know, you and I were texting throughout the game. I don't know if you had noticed it before. I, I, I texted you, but. Not a single shred of breast cancer awareness merchandise on any Charger or Bronco tonight. Now, this game took place on October 13th. October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. This past Sunday, we saw tons of NFL teams wearing pink gloves, pink wristbands, pink mouth guards, pink cleats, pink towels. And so I thought, I said, well, why don't? Why aren't there any pink accessories in this game? And then I thought about it in last Thursday night's game, which happened on October 6th, also in the month of October, between the Arizona Cardinals and the San Francisco 49ers. Didn't look like a color rush game because we've seen those Niners uniforms before and the Cardinals were just rocking all white. But those were color rush uniforms, by definition, a color rush game. There was no pink in that game either. And that's because that game featured Larry Fitzgerald. Larry Fitzgerald is one of the most outspoken players when it comes to breast cancer awareness and raising money for it. Why would there not be breast cancer awareness merchandise in color rush games? Why, Jimmy? Because the NFL sells those color rush jerseys. If you liked those, I think we agree, those Chargers uniforms tonight were fantastic. They want Jimmy Sethna to say, man, that Joey Bosa, who played phenomenally tonight, by the way, that Joey Bosa jersey is awesome. I need to go buy it. They don't want to distract from that with breast cancer awareness. Uh, I don't know if I buy into that. They can make the color rush uniform games any time of the year. But they've, Why they've, limit that? They've, they've specified that they're specifically on Thursday Night Football. It, it just adds this, this you know, element to it. The only color rush games this season are Thursday Night Football. Well, and you're seeing a lot less pink on Sundays and Monday Night Football as well. That's true. But on Sundays and Monday nights, players aren't wearing specific jerseys that are being made and sold and manufactured and all these things like the color rush ones are. Every team is selling their, their players' color. And even teams like like you're a Texans fan, the Texans didn't wear their color rush uniform, but they have one, right? They have an alternative right. one that they'll ideally wear in 2017. But the point is, is that I believe the NFL didn't want to distract from the color rush element. And, and again, whether you believe it's to sell jerseys or not, to sell the, the brand of color rush, they did not want to distract with it because the idea behind the color rush, which is silly, is it's an infusion of color, which is why the teams wear one solid color from neck to ankle. And so if you throw in the pink, it distracts from that. Right. And the NFL is still doing stuff to honor uh... – Breast cancer awareness. I think the Thursday night football logo at the bottom of the screen today, that was in pink. Right, and Jim, showed, Na- you know, Jim Nance and Phil Sims rock some pink ties and pink shirts. But, I mean, I, I think that that makes some sense. And I think that that, 
you know, people say when when all this domestic violence stuff happens, and any ounce of domestic violence is too much that happens, not just in the NFL, but in life. But, you know, when the Greg Hardy thing happens, or Ray Rice, or, you know, wh- whoever, the the stance that people sort of make up for the NFL when they're talking about it hypothetically is, oh, the NFL, you know, they have a month where they wear pink, you know, wristbands, so it's okay. You know, that's how they make it up to women, which is, is wrong. If that's how the NFL really feels, it's wrong. But but it my point is, is that if this is true, if they're choosing to prioritize the the marketability of the brand of the color rush over the honoring or or the raising of awareness of breast cancer that the pink accessories do, then it's indicative and it's a microcosm of the fact that the NFL is willing to respect women or or however you want to phrase it to whatever degree they choose as long as it doesn't conflict with their other intentions and priorities. Right. I think it's odd to think that the NFL is always trying to do the right thing. The right thing is very hard to do. And a lot of businesses, which the NFL is first and foremost a business, they don't really care. They care about making the money. So I can guarantee you they've done the research. The color rush uniforms are going to sell better. Without the pink. jerseys with a pink trim or whatever. Yeah. And the, the idea of color rush sells better without the pink attached to it. And I truly right. believe that next Next Thursday night, I believe it's Packers-Bears. If we don't have a shred of pink in that game, I think it backs up this theory. Well, on that note, we will send it to break. And when we come back, Jimmy, Josh, Seth, and I will be picking all of the games from week six of the 2016 NFL season. Don't go anywhere. Go get some popcorn, maybe some Mountain Dews. Bring one for me and Jimmy. We'll be here hanging out when we come back after this break here on the RJO Show. Cowboys Nation, our boys are 4-1 and one and things feel pretty good. And they would feel even better for you if you knew that and all of the interesting stories thanks to InsideTheStar.com. InsideTheStar.com is your home for the best Dallas Cowboys news and analysis on the web. At Inside the Star, myself and my fellow teammates do everything in our power 24-7, 365 to make sure that you, the voices of a nation, are caught up with anything and everything concerning America's team. We have game previews, player profiles, my bold predictions every week. It's a whole lot of fun and the best way to stay on top of what's going on with your favorite team. Make sure you check out InsideTheStar.com on the web. Follow us on Twitter at CowboysNation or at InsideTheStarDC. Go like our official Facebook page, just search for Inside the Star, or you can hang out with us on Google+, Snapchat, or Instagram. Now let's get back to this episode of the RJO Show. Welcome back, one and all. We are hanging out, talking NFL football. And I say we because it is me, your humble host, RJ Ochoa, staff writer at InsideTheStar.com, the host of the RJ Ocho and the host of Ocho Live, and my good friend, Houston Texans correspondent, making his Ocho appearance on the RJ Ocho, Mr. Jimmy Jal Sethna. Jimmy, how you doing? I'm doing good, bud. You having fun? Oh, yeah. This podcast. Winning fantasy so far. After the Thursday night games, I'm winning in all my leagues. That well, never happens. Nobody cares. That's like a rule of thumb. Nobody cares about anybody else's fantasy team. Nobody. I know, but everyone still has to talk about their fantasy team 
I guess that's true. That's probably true. You have to. Yeah. Well, you and I are in a fantasy football league together. Our our league of record, the league of extraordinary gentlemen, and um, you know, so we'll see what happens. I will crush you though. Thank you for trading me Derek Carr, by the way. Eh, eh, whatever. All right, let's let's make some some game picks. In the first segment, we we talked about Thursday night football. We talked about some important discussions. But now it's time to make some picks. By the way, you should be a member of the RJ Osho Ocho Live Weekly Pick'em Pool. We just pick every game based off the spreads, and we have a good time. You can see how you do against Jimmy and I. I uh, I have some work to do. Jimmy, the San Francisco 49ers are visiting the Buffalo Bills. And I don't know if you heard about this, but Colin Kaepernick, not a fan of the national anthem in 2016. He's protesting. We know everything that's going on with it. The story is well documented. We're not going to, you know, speak ad nauseum about it. But the point is, is that he will be the quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers. And the point is that he is not Blaine Gabbert. So that means he's better than Blaine Gabbert. So who do you got in this game? I got the Bills. I don't know how suddenly they look like they're great. They've caught fire. They've won uh, three in a row. People, and Rex those... Ryan's no longer like on the hot seat like he was three weeks ago. After they lost on Thursday Night Football to the Jets. You're right. I mean, they've won three in a row against the Cardinals, the Patriots, and the Rams. That's super impressive. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, the Cardinals are t- kind of taking a step back this year. But what Rex Ryan has done, and I feel like he's done this often, even going back to when he was the coach of the Jets, his back's against the wall. Everyone's talking about firing him and how he's not really a great coach. And then somehow the team rally around him and yeah. everyone likes to play for him. I think he's a good coach. I think he's uh, I, I think, you know, not going to compete to win the division, but I think maybe he's, a wild card team. I think he's, you know we talked about earlier about how the Chargers kind of rally around Mike McCoy. Maybe there's a little bit more chemistry there, a little bit more positive mojo. I think you're absolutely right. I think that totally happens for Rex. I think we saw that last year when the Bills beat the Jets because it's like, let's do it for Rex. You know, there's 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 this weird quality about the guy that his players seem to like, and that's why he's had the success he's had. I'll take the Bills also. And I think, you know, this is a Reggie Bush uh, – not Reggie Bush. This is a uh, well, Reggie Bush revenge game. He played for the 49ers. But this is a LaShawn McCoy revenge game against Chip Kelly. Got to play him last year, obviously, uh, when the Bills played the Eagles. But LaShawn McCoy going after Chip Kelly. I mean, remember, Sean, LaShawn McCoy at one point – you know, insinuated that Chip Kelly was racist, which kind of proved to be false, but obviously doesn't like the guy is my point. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like the key to this game is going to be Colin Kaepernick and what he can do against a very viable defense after not playing, after not being healthy for quite a while, and he's got so much media attention on him. Yeah. I think even more so than he did when he was a Super Bowl quarterback. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of people that want him to fail, and it's going to be interesting to see how he handles that pressure. I think he, from a football standpoint, won't do that well. I think Tyrod Taylor, you know, it's also worth mentioning that what the Bills have done lately, they've done without Sammy Watkins, which is really impressive. Let's move on. The Jacksonville Jaguars, Jimmy, are 1-3, coming off their bye after their win in London. Take on the Chicago Bears at Soldier Field, who are 1-4, and and you know, fun fact about this game. This happens rarely. Both of these teams are coming off of a game against the Colts. That rarely happens in NFL where their previous game was against the same opponent uh, because the Jaguars played them in London. They were on a bye. The, the Bears played the Colts last week, which is interesting. Now, I think the Bears are maybe the worst team in football. 
Um, I believe that at some point Chad Kelly will be their quarterback. I don't know how. I just know it's going to happen. <laughs> um, and I don't believe in the Jaguars as much as I once did. You know, their fluff and hype was ridiculous, and I fell victim to it. And I don't think they're, you know, flaming hot garbage. But they're not the Bears, which is a good thing right now. So I think the Jaguars win this game. Allen Robinson seems to be finding himself. He certainly did in London. I think that, you know, Blake and Allen hook up maybe in the first quarter, which is a rarity for them. Uh, But I think the Jaguars win this game. I think the Jags win too. Uh, Brian Hoyer's going to be starting for the Bears. He had a great game last week. I think he put up like 397 yards. But uh, I don't buy in. I've witnessed it firsthand with the Texans. Brian Hoyer, he's not consistent week to week. And, you know, I think the Jags have some players on defense that can finally make an impact and show you what the hype was meant to be this year for them. Yeah. I think the Jags win pretty easily. And the the Bears are a great tune-up game for that. Like, the Bears are a great, like, find-your-form game. You know what I mean? Start your uh, win streak against the Bears. Exactly. Exactly. What do you think of my fun fact that they're coming off wins against the Colts? Do you not think – on a 1 to 10 scale of interesting, what is it? Do you want me to be honest or do you want me to be nice? Both. I'm not as courteous Both. as you are. That's I, not my superlative, if I, you remember. I want the nice answer and the honest answer. I'm not, so I want to see like the degree that they're different. Okay. I'd say it's a six. You know, uh, honestly? Interesting, but not, not interesting, but not you know too fascinating. I'm uh-huh. not going to tell my friends about it. but I'm your friend. It's a, it's a nice little nugget, I guess. Okay, yeah. I like That's nuggets. That's the nicest thing I've said to you in a while. So, I, yeah. I also like nuggets. So, um, moving on, the Cincinnati Bengals. By the way, Jimmy, I, I own the Cincinnati Bengals. I've seen the Cowboys win two games at home in 11 tries since, uh, since 2006. Both of those were against the Bengals. I own this team. So, I'm thinking, you know, I've already set, you know, set things straight. I've told them I want them to build an Ocho Live studio in their facility. I'm going to get you a corner office. Don't worry. Um, and I'm thinking about renaming them the Cincinnati Harambes, considering that Cincinnati was the city that our sweet prince was taken from us. But uh, either way. I, I think Ken Bone is the new Harambe, by the way. Well, whatever. You saw the debate. I don't own Ken Bone, though. I own the Cincinnati Bengals. They will be in New England. Uh, and, you know, Tom Brady owns anybody who comes into Foxborough. And he's back. He's better than ever. He had more passing yards in week five than anybody else in the NFL. And I think he's going to obliterate the Bengals. And, you know, we saw Martellus Bennett get hot last week. I think that this is the Gronk game. I think that Gronk gets maybe two touchdowns in this game. Brady flexes his muscle. It was, remember, the, the immortal words were on to Cincinnati. This is, you know. I'm willing to to share ownership with the Patriots this week. I've got the Pats. I mean, I agree with you, but I think it's more uh, a statement on how bad the Bengals looked against Dallas. I thought the Bengals would be the first big opponent to challenge the rookies for Dallas, the Ezekiel Elliott, Dak Prescott. I thought the Bengals would kind of take them down a peg. They got run over. They got obliterated. I don't know why, but something's not right right now in Cincinnati, and the Patriots are just going to take advantage of it. You know, I, I can ro- see this being a game where they have a random running back rush for 250 yards. 
Well, I um, you can you Jimmy, but you the the listener, you can read my picks at slantsports.com. You can read all, all of everything. I expanded on every single game, and I wrote that I think the Bengals are somewhat of a microcosm of this season because some we lost some big names, you know, Peyton Manning among them, uh, and to begin the season, Tom Brady, Tony Romo. You know, we've discussed that, but they're not who they were last year. You know, like the, the it just the in in terms of the NFL ratings are down. Um, now we've got this Twitter snafu, and and you know the breast can even the breast cancer awareness stuff is different. Like it just the Bengals are somewhat you know of just the the season in a team, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. I mean, look at the Mount Rushmore of the NFL last year to this year. Right, completely no Manning, different. You know. Brady gone for quite a while. No Adrian Peterson. No J.J. Watt. Yeah, all stars. I mean, I mean, your biggest stars are gone. I, those might be the four, the four stars. And, you know, Tony Romo might be the fifth. It's, it's brutal this year. It's It really is. And, and it's um, brutal if you're a Bengals fan. Well, somebody who, who knows brutality very well in a football sense is the Cleveland Browns. Oof. They're... <laughs> I feel really bad for that segue. I feel really proud of myself. Like I feel it was really clever. But I feel – Browns fans, I love you. I, I once told Jimmy, like literally like seven years ago, that I wanted the Browns to be good. Um, so, I mean, I'm on record with that. It's like when you, you hope that old dog at the pound, it's like 14 years old, it's got fleas, and it's like limping. <laughs> it's funny. You don't want to adopt it, but you hope – it's, you hope someone takes it in. It's amazing that you said that. I think it was unintentional, but because of the dog pound at, at the Brown oh, Stadium. Yeah. Respect. I'm, I'm smarter than I look. You, you're brilliant. Even if on yeah. accident, you're brilliant. The Cleveland Browns will visit the Tennessee Titans. And, you know, I'll let you pick first, but the thing I want to say about the Browns, they're 0-5. They're the league's last winless team. And I've been talking about this a lot. I talked about this on Thursday's Ocho Live. I talk, talked about it on Thursday Night Football's Ocho Live. Um, even though they're 0-5, I feel more optimistic about the Browns than I have in a long time. Am, am I alone in that? Yeah, very. What are you talking about? I, How many I quarterbacks just, have started for I, them no, this but, year? But I do feel like Hugh Jackson is is the guy. And I mean, I don't think at that zero and five. Yeah, but I don't think that anybody uh-huh. thought that they were going to come in and run the league. I think that this, you know, this car that he's trying to turn around is so. This is the eighteen wheeler of cars you're trying to turn around, and it's just take. He's taking the widest possible turn, but he's at least you know moving in that general direction, which is more than anybody who's been through there in the last decade has done. I mean, the fact that he brought in Terrell Pryor, his guy, I think, you know, he knows what he's doing to some degree, which again, you had a very difficult time saying about anybody in the Cleveland front office in the last decade. See, I'm not as optimistic as you are. Well, then pick this game. Titans. Well, not even that. I think (laughs) the Browns Everything you just said, it's all, I think, I feel this way. Looking right. at the facts, 0-5, it's going to be 0-6. Titans win. Marcus Mariota puts up a great game. The Browns are awful. They're going to have four quarterbacks play to, or Sunday. No, give me the Titans. Browns are going to 0-6. Hugh Jackson's going to take an even wider turn to turn <laughs> this franchise around. <laughs> well, I think the Titans win, too. And But wasn't it? I believe it was last season when the Browns won that epic uh, last-second game 
in Tennessee. What was it last season? Or was it no, 2014? No, no, let me stop you right there. The Browns haven't won anything in an epic fashion. It was in an, a decade. It was an epic comeback that they won at the last second. It was either 2014 or 2015 that they won in Tennessee. And I think it was last year because I think it was a Travis Benjamin touchdown um, that sealed it. But you know what? Hey, we both got the Titans. I just believe a little bit more in the Browns. That's all. I'm cool with that. Um, but you know what? Let's move on to a team that has somebody who believes in them. And he said so on HBO's Hard Knocks. He said they were not going to go 8-8, eight and eight, Jimmy. They were too talented, okay? Jeff Fisher's Los Angeles Rams visited the Detroit Lions. And you know what? Last week, I admittedly, when they were 3-1, and one, I believed in Jeff Fisher, Jimmy. I don't know what's wrong with me. I hate myself. I don't know why I did it. But I believed and I thought that the Rams would beat the Bills. And I'm a stupid person for that. I don't care who they're playing. Give me the Lions. I will never believe in Jeff Fisher again. Give me the Lions. You were stupid to believe in Jeff Fisher. Anyone that's ever believed in Jeff Fisher since uh, his Tennessee days, you're, I don't know what you're setting yourself up for, but it's failure. It's the same old stuff. He's too old school. He's not interesting. You know, when they were 3-1 and one last week, it, was, it felt so fake. It felt so unreal. You know they're not a real 3-1 and one team. They're going to be 3-3. Three and three. Give me the Lions in a blowout. Wow. I think that the Lions are actually well-equipped to beat them, for what it's worth. You know, I'll give the Lions a little bit of props. I mean, the Lions beat the Eagles last week, which was really impressive. Theo Riddick is one of the best pass-catching running backs in the league. The Lions did just sign Justin Forsett, so I think that they might get some semblance of consistency on the ground in terms of just a normal ground game, not Theo Riddick, and I think they find a way to do it. I'm, I think Matt Stafford's kind of having a, a sneakily decent season. Yeah. Matt yeah, it's going to have to be wins. That's all that matters. But he's playing well. Well, I agree. Let's move on. And uh, last game before we go to the break. Pittsburgh Steelers visit the Miami Dolphins. Now, here's something that I think all the time. The Steelers, okay, Jimmy, this is who the Steelers have discovered. Right now, they've got Martavis Bryant, who's suspended for the whole season, but still an insane talent at the wide receiver position. Marcus Wheaton. Sammy Coates, who went off last week. You could people have been impressed with Eli Rogers this week or this season. The Steelers also paraded through their facility Mike Wallace and Emmanuel Sanders. Oh, and then they've also got Antonio Brown. I mean, these dudes know how to find wide receivers in the NFL draft. It's amazing when you look at that list of names. That's the one of the most impressive list of names in terms of receivers that have been drafted by one team in the last, you know, eight to nine years. And it's been the Pittsburgh Steelers. And on the other side of this game, you've got the Miami Dolphins, who tried to capitalize on that and signed Mike Wallace to a big-time free agent contract in 2012 that blew up in their face. The Dolphins are the exact opposite. They don't know how to find, cultivate, or even use talent. The Dolphins, it is amazing how boring they are, considering they have an electrifying player like Jarvis Landry. The Steelers are going to dominate this game. They're going to completely obliterate the Dolphins in this game. I mean, doesn't it always feel like the Dolphins are one or two players away in the offseason from really taking a big step forward? And then they, they sign somebody. Yeah, and then they, they try to sell you on it, and it just doesn't work out. That's who they are. And, you know, you touched on this earlier. We both met at Texas A&M. Whoop. And uh, Ryan Tannehill was the quarterback there for quite a while while we were there. Maybe the Steelers wanted to draft him because he was a wide receiver when we were younger there, before he turned into a quarterback. 
Well, if you remember, he didn't exactly end his career at A&M on the highest of notes. That's true. I was amazed when he was drafted in the first round. I was amazed he was drafted eighth overall, I believe, yep. by the former Aggie head coach, uh, who's no longer with the franchise. For, but... Who, for what it's worth, also drafted Aaron Rodgers. Just throwing that out there. Okay. But <laughs> Ryan Tannehill. Mike Sherman is... is the name, by the way, we're talking. Right. Ryan Tannehill is awful. His O-line is awful. The defense, it's got plenty of names, is awful. The coach, it's horrible. Everything right now about this franchise is awful. They're competing with the Browns to have the number one overall pick. It's going to be really interesting in 2017 when Ryan Tannehill is the quarterback for the Jets. It's going to be really interesting. It's going to be amazing how Ryan Tannehill finds a way to get paid again. I just think it's going to be interesting. Yeah, he's a $100 million quarterback. Gig'em! We will be right back after this break to finish off our week six picks. Jimmy Jossethna, send us to break, my man. Bye. <laughs> we'll be right back after this break here on the RJO Show. What up, world? What are you doing every day at 3 p.m. Central Time? I have the answer, and it's watching Ocho Live. Ocho Live is the only daily Dallas Cowboys video streaming option where you and I can hang out, talk with one another, and discuss the Dallas Cowboys. It's that simple. Twitter, Periscope, and the Inside the Star Facebook live feed. We put on Ocho Live through those platforms. It's an interactive video streaming option. And if you know me, you know that I believe that this is the future of media from a sports and entertainment perspective. Be a part of the future with me. Watch Ocho Live. You can subscribe to me on Periscope. Just search for RJ Ochoa. You can follow me on Twitter. Again, just search for RJ Ochoa. Or go like Inside the Star on Facebook and watch it on Facebook Live. This is the future, and I want to be a part of the future with you. Now let's get back to this week's episode of the RJO Show. Welcome back, one and all, to the RJO Show. Your humble host, RJ Ochoa, hanging out here as we are dissecting week six of the 2016 NFL season. I can't believe it is week six. It's crazy. Time is flying by. Time usually flies by when you're having fun, and I am having a lot of fun on today's episode because I am joined by my good pal, Jimmy Jow Sethna, who you can and absolutely should follow on Twitter at the Jimmy Jow. The Jimmy Jow. What are you doing, man? Yeah, I'm having fun talking to you. Anytime we're uh, doing a podcast, you always have to be really nice to me because there's evidence of the conversation. I really enjoy it. It's, I, it's a different dynamic. I'm always really nice to you, James. In fact, I actually – look, I do this all the time uh, for the listeners. I call him James. His name is not James. Like it's kind of just like a running joke. That's how nice I am to you that I have, you know – elevated the name I call you to a more polite version, James. Yeah, Jimmy's my real name. <laughs> I tell people I'm Jimmy. I've actually had people, you know, I introduce myself for the first time as Jimmy, and then they immediately call me James. Like, they're not they're not putting up with any nicknames. I get It's kind of annoying. I get that. Yeah. As somebody who has a nickname, RJ, obviously not my, my real name. I've talked about this a lot of places here and on ESPN San Antonio when I've filled in there. People try to spell it all the time. I'll be like, you know, my name's RJ. They'll, they'll like be like, oh, like A R J A Y. People really do that. 
that really happens that's, to me. That's really annoying. It is extremely annoying. But hey, it's the one okay. anno- it's the one annoying thing in my life. Um and now I'm okay with that. It's a sacrifice. No, I'm glad I'm, I'm not the second most annoying thing in your life. That's <laughs> no. good. No, the second most annoying thing in my life is uh, when my picks don't go my way in the NFL. It's annoying. You must be me. annoyed often. That's true. Let's uh, let's yeah. let's get back to these picks now. We made a whole bunch of picks in, in segment two, which you heard. Again, I say this all the time, but if you didn't hear it, I would be amazed because this is a podcast. So if you managed to get to this point without hearing segment two. I'm impressed. So uh, good job by you. But, Jimmy, the Carolina Panthers, who uh, aren't playing too good, are visiting the New Orleans Saints. And I am working on a theory, okay? And by working on, I mean I already have worked on. And I've explained a lot of theories on today's episode. The Carolina Panthers are the team version of Odell Beckham Jr. Because they're great when they're having fun. When the Panthers are having fun, Jimmy, they're dabbing, they're, you know, scoring touchdowns and giving the footballs to little kids. They're having just, uh, you know, a ridiculously awesome time. But when they're losing, oh, no. You know, they have sour faces on. They, uh, you know, they don't want to hear about it, this and that. But like I said, they're winning. Oh, keep pounding. Keep pounding. It's just all they want to talk about when they're winning. But when they lose, things aren't that great around Carolina, and I refuse to pick them this week because they committed the most egregious sin that an NFL team can commit. They lost at home to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Monday Night Football. I can't, I can't forgive that. I can't. I'll, I will take the Saints simply because they are not the Panthers. So I agree with you, and I think, if I'm not mistaken, so far we've agreed on every pick this week, every single one. Am I right? I think you're right. And if we can remember, considering it's been like 20, 25 minutes, we are terrible. <laughs> but I think, yeah, I think you're right. Well, I'm going to agree with you again. I think the, the Panthers are broken right now. Because they're like not, said, they're they're not, not winning. having fun. Yep. They're not winning. You know, Cam flipping into the end zone last year and being the sports center top 10 guy. This year he's getting concussions, trying to replicate that. The team right now, it's broken. The defense isn't playing well. The offense isn't playing well. They look frustrated. They look unhappy. I think Drew Brees, they're going to give up a lot of points. The Saints will. But Drew Brees is going to lead that team to about 40 more points this week. I think the Panthers may have made a huge mistake in letting Josh Norman walk. Oh, I'm so glad you brought that up. Seriously. And, I mean, it's the Panthers or Odell, you know, in 2016, I don't know what that symbolizes exactly. <laughs> uh, maybe that's like the the kicking net hitting you back in the face. But uh, right now, the Panthers are broken, and I don't think they're going to get fixed this year. This is going to be the worst Super Bowl hangover in recent memory. I agree with you. I agree 100% with everything you said. Um, and, and again, because they, they just – and I think we kind of knew that last year. But everything was going their way, and then I, I, th- I think that – it really does rely on this fun. The Super Bowl week was very stressful, obviously. And so they weren't having fun. That's why they got destroyed. And then week one, it was all about it was all about the Super Bowl where they got destroyed. So there's no fun in that. And they're trying to force that fun issue 
and you're right they're they're broken is such a great word they they really are broken just from a fundamental standpoint um and and I don't think that they have enough leadership to get past there um I think you're right I think Josh Norman looks like a genius right now because he's playing excellently and and all the talk was we're going to see Josh Norman get exposed now that he doesn't have that great panther defense around him but right now I'm on Josh Norman's side of logic, and um, you know, you mentioned the kicking net. I think the Saints are the kicking net this week. I have a quick question for you. Okay. Week one, Panthers versus Broncos. Panthers miss a game-winning field goal at the very end. Right. And that'd be one more win they'd have. But I'm a big believer in setting the tone and momentum. I think if the Panthers made that field goal, they're, they're not only they're just a two-win team. Maybe not five and zero, but they're a three or four-win team. Yeah, I think that was a deafening blow. I agree with you. I mean, you you talk about, um, you know, I'm I've said before, big Back to the Future fan, and you know, moments in time that spawn off alternate times timelines, yeah, butterfly and, 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 effect, all that. Stuff. Yeah, exactly. Um, and you're right. I think that was a hinge point, without anybody knowing it. Um, you're right. If Graham Gano's field goal goes through those uprights, you know we're talking. I don't, I don't think Cam Newton tries to, you know, really make that run in Atlanta two weeks ago. He's not hurt. I, and I think you're right. I think that we're talking about a different team. We're saying, man, the Panthers look just like they did in 2015. Cam's playing like the MVP. You know, dab on them, do whatever you want. Panthers are going to blow this game out of the water. But their their mental psyche is more fragile than other teams as a collective team that's why I, I do believe the perfect comparison odell beckham jr is a microcosm of the carolina panthers and they're mentally gonna, weak right they will lose so let's move on to odell beckham jr his giants host the baltimore ravens this weekend the baltimore ravens jimmy look you know when you want to win a super bowl when you want to do anything good in life you know you um like like you you want you shoot a free throw a lot of free throw shooters in basketball, they go through the same routine. You know, a lot of golfers, they go through the same routine when they putt. A lot of NFL kickers, they go through the same routine. They they go through sequences because they believe that that's what leads to success. So the Ravens, just like every other NFL team, they want to win the Super Bowl. Now, what did they do last time they won the Super Bowl, Jimmy? They fired their offensive coordinator in the middle of the season, then Cam Cameron. So they said, man, you know, we need we need to do that. We need to do exactly what we did then. So they fired Mark Tressman on Monday, their offensive coordinator. We've got Mar- Marty Morningway to replace him. Joe Flacco wants to go deep. He's got the personnel to do. He's got Mike Wallace. He's got Prashad Perriman. So I wouldn't say Steve Smith necessarily a deep guy. But I kind of think that the Ravens, are, this is, you know, the Ravens are a team, when you got a coach like John Harbaugh, when you make a big move, I expect the next performance to reflect a lot of work and you know the effort behind that big move i don't think the ravens come out flat here and the giants are actually surprisingly one of the worst teams at getting pressure on opposing quarterbacks and if they can't get pressure on joe flacco who wants to go deep and is now in a position potentially marty morning way to do it i think the ravens handle this game fairly easily i kind of disagree i think the giants are going to pull out a win here it's going to be Kind of a high-scoring game, maybe 31-28. and 28. Um, But touching on what you said earlier, I think there's two kinds of franchises. There's the kinds that let go of poor talent that, you know, that player later goes on somewhere else to really succeed, like old-school Raiders when they, you know, 
got rid of Carson Palmer and Randy Moss. Those guys still had some juice left in them. Uh, but then there's franchises like the Ravens. Or no matter what, anything they do, you kind of believe in the system. <laughs> yeah. Kind of like the Steelers. You know, they cut Patriots Justin Corset, or, yeah. They fired their uh, offensive coordinator. And you still just believe the Ravens know what they're doing. Yeah. They're not the Browns. They're not the Dolphins. When they make a personnel choice, you trust it. Yeah, you're right. If if uh, if uh, to your point, if other teams, I, I for example, Browns, Rams, Dolphins, um, you know, maybe Lions, uh, make this move, we're killing them. You know, we're they don't know what they're doing. Right. This is ridiculous. But you're right. You know, a lot of it's the hardware. You got John Harbaugh who has a Super Bowl ring. You got Ozzie Newsome who knows what he's doing. You say, hey, you know, I trust Ozzie and John. And honestly, I trust Joe Flacco. You know, they'll find a way. They'll get it done. That's the Raven way. I agree with you, but not on. I believe in that for the season, but this week I think the Giants win. That's fair. That's our first moment of disagreeing. At least we did. We did it cordially, though. I'm proud of us. Yeah. Well, very amicable. Let's move on to the second half of the AFC West. I think this is a this is a big season-defining week for this division because you had, we already discussed, the San Diego Chargers beat the Denver Broncos on Thursday night football, and now we've got the Oakland Raiders who host the Kansas City Chiefs. I thought that the Chiefs were going to be so much better than this this season. I mean, they're good. The Chiefs are 2-2. Two and two. I'm, I'm treating them like they're garbage, but the Chiefs are 2-2 two and two coming off their bye. The last time we saw this team, Jimmy, they were getting handled on Sunday Night Football by the Steelers. Now, I think the Chiefs' weakness here is they can't go head-to-head, they can't go blow-for-blow, tick-for-tack with an elite offense. And I don't think that the the Raiders necessarily have an elite offense, but I think that they have that potential. I think Derek Carr has the ability to get that done. Who do you got? I'll let you go first. Well, I'm a big Raiders fan. I'm starting to become a believer, and that's hard to do with the Raiders. For the last decade plus, they've been miserable. They've given you glimpses of hope, and then they take it away. They're the ultimate flirt. But I think the offense is really cooking right now. I think they're going to win and win big. But their defense, they put up a great effort last week. They need to continue that this week. Mm -hmm. I think the Chiefs are a team that can be contained. So give me the Raiders. Give me them in a big win. I'm thinking 31-14. Well, I uh, I think it's more of a of a shootout type of game. The Raiders are are that team that just pull out epic last second clutch, awesome victories. I think, when was the last time the Raiders were called clutch? I don't know, and I don't. It's a fun time right now. I don't know, and I don't care. The Raiders is so much fun, um, but I I do think this is a big week for them in terms of their quest to win this division because especially because the Broncos lost now. They didn't just lose; they lost to the Chargers. That's big. So, um, speaking of interdivision matchups, we've got the Philadelphia Eagles visiting the Washington Redskins. Now, it should be noted, SB Nation reported this week that the Eagles have the toughest remaining strength of schedule. Now, I've been talking a lot about Ocho, you know, talking a lot about this on Ocho Live, and as you know, my my Cowboys obligations with Inside the Star, I know this division extremely well. I do believe that Carson Wentz is for real. I'm not denying that at all. But I also believe that the Eagles will start to fall apart is, is probably pretty strong. But I think the Eagles will come back down to earth as the season progresses. Because we live in an NFL day and age where offenses win. You've got to have an elite offense. 
And I I think I'm more afraid of the Redskins offense than I am the Eagles offense. And Jordan Reed is a question mark this week. He's got the concussion thing going on. I don't know if Jordan Reed plays. But honestly, I don't care. Because I think that Kirk Cousins is finding his 2015 self. And I think that the Redskins offense is more potent than the Eagles offense. The Eagles have a great defense. But I think that the Redskins find a way this week. And the Redskins get this win. The Eagles start that fall a little bit like we saw last week when Wentz threw his first interception and a loss to Detroit. See, I, I'm going to have to disagree here, and I think I think that you want the Eagles to lose here because it's I, better I, for the Cowboys. I, I actually want the Eagles to win, believe it or not. So that's my whole point. I want the Eagles to win because long-term, I'm more afraid of the Redskins. That, that's the total truth. That's why I don't I'm, believe you. I'm totally— I, I don't believe you. I've said it a lot of places this week. Watch Ocho no. Live every day. I've said it every day this week. I've got other things to do, man. I don't believe you. I don't believe that you really believe that in your heart. I'll make you a proposition right now. A Whataburger. For our non-Texas listeners, Whataburger is like gold in this state. A Whataburger wager. Redskins Redskins finish with a better record than the Eagles this season. Okay. So we we barely vaguely touched on this a few weeks ago. Um, You still haven't paid me for bets we made. Five and six years. You're right. Ago. You're right, and I'll rectify that. But we'll just add this to the list, and we'll add we'll, this to the we'll, list of bets you haven't paid up on. No, sure. we'll, we'll, give me the Eagles at the end of the year with so a better winning record. We're putting this on record from this point yeah. on, as it currently stands. The Eagles are three and one. The Redskins are three and two. I'm saying that the Redskins finish higher placed in the NFC, and we're going by tiebreakers and everything. Whoever finishes higher in the NFC East, I got the Redskins. Yeah. You got the Eagles. Just for the record, this is a whole meal. I want a dessert and everything. I want to be wined and dined get the for pie. my football knowledge. You get the pie. You get the fries. You get the spicy ketchup, sweet tea, whole nine yards. I so prefer you, the normal ketchup. I don't know. That's why you why mess with the good. Yeah. That's why you're Jimmy. So you got Eagles. I got Redskins. Let's move on. The Atlanta Falcons, Jimmy, visiting the Seattle Seahawks. Now, I, I have to say something here. All right. Now, I've been... I've been pretty hard on the Falcons for a long time. I haven't believed in Matt Ryan. Not that I necessarily do, but I haven't believed in Julio Jones. And for a long time, as a Cowboys fan, I was staunch in the belief that Des Bryant was better than Julio Jones. And I stand by that at the time. But we are at a place in 2016 where Julio Jones is light years ahead of Des Bryant. Julio Jones is the second best receiver in the NFL behind Antonio Brown. And I have refused to take the Falcons seriously. I continue year after year to believe that they'll come back down to earth. I mean, for crying out loud, they were 5-0 and last year. They fell all the way back down to earth. So I'm not trying to say the Falcons are winning the Super Bowl or anything. But they're obviously a little bit, you know, they deserve a little bit more respect from me. So Falcons fans, I'm sorry. Julio Jones, I'm sorry. Matt Ryan, I'm not as sorry to you, bro. But. Jimmy, I learned my lesson. I'm taking the Falcons over the Seahawks. I don't care. Give me Hotlanta. I'm going to agree with you there. They got a one-two punch at running back with Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman. And then Julio Jones, I mean, you know, I respect you for saying you think Julio's (laughs) now at a point where he's better than Des Bryant. But, I mean, to be honest, you can't look at a guy that had a 300-yard receiving game, 300 yards in one game, (laughs) 
and then compare him to your guy and no, I mean, you know, yeah, make I'm, an intelligent argument. I'm talking I mean, I'm talking days of 2012, 2013. This was when I was really firm in that belief. Right. But so, you know, I believe in Matt Ryan. I believed in him for a while. I think he's a solid quarterback. You know, it's hard to find an, a good quarterback. Look at plenty of teams out there. Texans, Browns are still looking. I think Matt Ryan's a solid guy. I think he's a guy that could win a Super Bowl. Maybe not this year, but he could. Joe Flacco-esque. Give me the Falcons right now in an other statement win against the Seahawks. I agree. And, I, you know, the emergence of Devonta Freeman and this season, Tevin Coleman. Tevin Coleman, by the way, that's their guy. That's who Dan Quinn and Kyle Shanahan drafted. They inherited Devonta Freeman from the Mike Smith final draft class. You know, the emergence of that threat in the run game, whether it's literally running or in the passing element, that has really opened things up for Julio. Because you can no longer just take away Julio because the Falcons have other ways of killing you. And that sort of replicated what they had in Tony Gonzalez. Togo, one of the best nicknames ever. The Falcons finally are not one-dimensional, and that's why they're starting to have success, I believe. Let's move on. America's Game of the Week, Jimmy. America's Game of the Week. Now, I'm going to hit you with something real quick. So you talk about statement wins, statement games. So two years ago, the Dallas Cowboys are 4-1. and one. They're coming off of a home win against an AFC opponent, the Houston Texans. You remember that game well? They, yeah, a little bit. They go to Seattle. They get, I, I think you would agree with this, the, their exclamation point win on the 2014 season. That was the game where the NFL said, we have to take these guys seriously. And you're, to your point, you just said the Falcons have that chance this week, literally in Seattle. But the Cowboys, that game, America's Game of the Week, for anybody who don't know, is that's what Fox calls their number one broadcast. Fox's number one call of the week is in the 3 o'clock hour. That's where they send their number one broadcast team. Their number one broadcast team consists of Joe Buck, the play-by-play announcer, Troy Aikman, the color analyst, and Aaron Andrews, the sideline reporter. Now, Jimmy, I know you're not a baseball fan, but Joe Buck is, and he calls baseball. And so every season, Joe Buck has to go do the baseball playoffs. And when he does, Tom Brenneman fills in for him on the number one team that Fox puts out there. So in 2014, when the Cowboys, again, 4-1, coming off a home win against an AFC team, went to Seattle for a statement win opportunity, it was Joe Buck's first game absent to go do baseball. And who filled in for him? Tom Brenneman. This Sunday, when the Cowboys visit Lambeau Field, an opportunity to get a statement win coming off of a win at home against an AFC team. They are 4-1, identic situations. These are all facts. Joe Buck is missing his first game of the year. And do you know who is the play-by-play man for Fox this week with Troy Aikman and Aaron Andrews? I can guess. It is Tom Brenneman. That's right. So what you're saying, forget Dak Prescott, forget Zeke. Forget it all. Tom Brenneman is the key. Tom Brenneman is the key to the Cowboys beating the Packers. Look, obviously this has nothing to do with, with the game, has nothing to do, has literally no effect on the game. But I'm just if, if you're a believer in destiny, Jimmy, I'm a hopeless romantic. If you were a believer in destiny, these are the things that sports fans cling to. Tom Brenneman is the key. Now, I also believe that the key is that the Cowboys are bringing in the league's leading rushing attack. They're bringing in the league's leading rusher. They're finding ways to keep their defense off of the field. I wrote about this at InsideTheStar.com this week. I am on Ocho Live every week. I've picked all five Cowboys games correctly. I said we'd lose to the Giants, and I've picked all four wins. I have got the Cowboys 27-17. 
The Cowboys enter the bye five and one, and life is good. So this is a very interesting game. Okay. I feel like each week I'm waiting for Dak Prescott to fall back to earth. I thought it would happen last week against the Bengals. I was very wrong. The Packers are a big, big contender in the NFC right now behind the Vikings. So it may be a wild card matchup or a wild card spot between the two of these teams. If Dak Prescott can beat the Green Bay Packers and go toe-to-toe with Aaron Rodgers, who I think is the best quarterback in the league, we've talked about this before. You know, it's Romo's team. Whenever he's healthy and cleared to go, he's going to start. The naysayers are going to come out when oh, Dak I mean, wins this game. So you're saying Cowboys the win. team on his back. Oh, yeah. Anytime Romo comes back and there's one interception, it's bound to happen, whatever. People are going to be chanting Dak, Dak, Dak. So hold up. Dak. You're saying, by the way, you've got the Cowboys. That's your pick. Your official. I'm pick. going with the Cowboys. Okay. I think Dak Prescott looks outstanding. I'm going to predict goal line stand last minute. I don't know if it's a goal line stand, but I predict <laughs> literally the Ezekiel opposite Elliott. of a goal line stand. Okay, well, <laughs> Ezekiel Elliott runs over Clay Matthews into the end zone to get the game-winning touchdown. That's amazing. Statement win for both of the rookies. Look. Cowboys go 5-1. and one. Final two thoughts here on on this game, and specifically on deck. And I'm glad we're in lockstep again. So, first of all, and I told you this before we started recording, I don't think people realize, I don't think anyone has said this out loud. This, assuming all optimistic you know, parameters. This could be the last game that Dak Prescott starts for the Cowboys until Tony Romo retires. It, that That is true. I mean, it really could be. Because Tony Romo is, is you know, expected to, you know, he's rumored to be returning October 30th when the Cowboys host the Eagles on Sunday Night Football. That's their next game. And again, if you're assuming total health and total optimism, he doesn't get hurt. This could be the last time we see Dak Prescott until Tony Romo retires. That's just amazing. It really is amazing when you say it out loud. Like I said, you're more of an optimistic person than I am. I don't believe, even if Romo comes back, and I've heard he's looking great, he's got some zip on his throws, he's got his mobility back, it's just a matter of time until he's starting again. I personally don't believe he comes back this year and finishes the rest of the year. I don't believe he finishes next season all the way through. I think you're going to see a lot of Dak because of injuries to Romo. Well, we'll see. And and the last thing I want to say is is to address your your Dak chant. And you're right. That's a real factor that that is there. You know, this is a, a situation I've been saying all week that is almost impossible to handle flawlessly. It really is because of so many different different factors. But Dak, as we all know, has not thrown an interception yet. And I'm not rooting for Dak to throw an interception. Don't get me wrong. But let's just say. You know, you're you're prophetic, Jimmy, and he has an outstanding game, doesn't throw an interception. Literally the first Romo could throw a pick when if they are up a hundred to zero. And the first pick that Tony throws, it's gonna be well, Dak didn't throw one. Dak played six games and didn't throw a single interception. I mean, that that narrative is going to be beaten to death. And I'm just just wanted to say it now. I mean Romo could throw a pass right into the hands of Des Bryant that, that he just, and it gets that he, tipped yeah. up. Yeah. Whatever, and then some other guy picks it off, and you're gonna hear booze. You're yeah. gonna hear people on Twitter. You're gonna hear it nonstop. And Dak has shown you, at the very least, 
in this offense behind that offensive line. He is in command of the Cowboys. Just saying. You're going to hear a lot of haters come when Romo starts the game. Well, we will see. We both have the Cowboys, though. Let's move on to the other Texas team. This game happening in the Lone Star State. On Sunday Night Football, Jimmy, your Houston Texans, who are 3-2, and two, welcome the Indianapolis Colts of an inverse record. The first time you play the other team who has some serious relevance in your division. Are you nervous? I don't know if nervous is the right emotion that I want to convey here. I feel like I talked to you earlier. I feel like you're Mike McCoy when the Broncos had the ball at the end there of the Thursday night football game. That's how I feel you are about. He this. was nervous. I mean, he was crouching. <laughs> his head was in his hands. He looked scared. Well, you're if if that's level ten, for example, you're like seven. I think. Well, it's a different emotion. I'm not scared. I'm not nervous anymore. Right now, I'm angry. I'm angry at the product we have. I'm angry at the situation. I'm going to pick the Texans to win. I don't necessarily believe that they win. This is a game, and I've said before, I don't think the Texans are a contender right now, but I think they can win the division. Give me the Texans because I don't believe in the Colts right now. I believe in Andrew Luck, but the rest of the team I think is garbage. Give me the Texans win. I, I can absolutely see the Texans winning. But in order for them to do that, Brock is going to have to show up. Because Andrew Luck is starting to show that even he can carry this band of misfits occasionally, like he did last week against the Bears. And in in games like this, it does kind of come down to the quarterbacks. You, you go with the best quarterback. And so... I'm inclined to take the Colts, and in fact, I am taking the Colts. Um, I, you know, when I wrote about this, again, you can go read all my picks at slantsports.com. I equated Andrew Luck to the guy. You've seen Cool Runnings, right, Jimmy? The Jamaican bobsled team movie? Yeah, So, So Andrew Luck is like the guy when they push the bobsled. He's the guy in the back. So, like, the guy who is literally pushing everybody else. Because you know how, like, when they, they jump in, like, one at a time. So for, right. for like a small stretch, one guy in the back is pushing everybody else in the bobsled forward. That's who Andrew Luck is. He's the final bobsledder. And the Colts See, are the bobsled and the residual bobsledders. This is why I like talking to you because right now, in the last five minutes, you said Tom Brenneman is a determining factor in the <laughs> Cowboys' success. And you just compared Andrew Luck to a Jamaican bobsledder in a movie – well, to be fair, he, to be fair, he could be any bobsledder. I mean, that's just. But my bobsled knowledge is limited. He's, he's a Jamaican bobsledder. If you want to go that again, the point is my, my. And you know what? It makes sense because that means that Chuck Pagano is John Candy, and I'm cool with this. So, that, I normally don't like analogies with like for a sport compared to another sport, but I, I like this one. I like where you're going with this. I I agree with you. Though. Just unique enough. That's a great yeah. That's a great pet peeve though. Like you know, like in baseball when somebody hits a home run, it's like, oh man, he you know he, he scored a touchdown on that play. What you know, like or like um like in in football, like when someone throws a deep ball, it's like he's going for the home run. No, he's not. He's going for the touchdown. Oh, that's not even that egregious. I was watching the Olympics and there was a gymnast and the guy like a gymnast got a really high score. The announcer was saying. Oh, this score, it's like she scored seven touchdowns. That's, That's how amazing this okay. is. I was like, oh, no. No, she did not. Let's, she did a cartwheel. Let's, Calm down. Let's leave it at uh, at Cool Runnings. Let's finish this off, Jimmy. Monday Night Football. The New York Jets, who are 1-4, have just placed Eric Decker on IR. They travel 
to the bird's nest, the red nest, whatever you call it. I don't know. I watched All or Nothing several times. We talked to Shannon Furman. I know about the Cardinals. I just don't know what they nicknamed their, their stadium anymore. But they're two and three. And they're coming off a win on the road on Thursday Night Football in San Francisco. It should be said that the Cardinals play the Seahawks in Week 7 on Sunday Night Football. I think the Bruce Arians, after the Cardinals fell to 1-3, and three, say, you know what, I got dates against the Niners and the Jets. I'm going to get my squad back to 500 before a legit showdown against the Seahawks in Week 7. And I think that the Jets are that great date that he wanted. I think the Cardinals take this one. I don't think it's close. See, I agree. Cardinals win. I think what's going on with Ryan Fitzpatrick right now is a big statement on how his entire career has been. Mm -hmm. I don't know why the Jets were so focused on pursuing him and signing him this season. I think last year, last game of the year, he blew it. He had like six interceptions. That is Ryan Fitzpatrick. He'll put up great numbers and then he'll fall back down to earth in an embarrassing fashion. Give me the Cardinals. I think at the end of the year, Fitzpatrick, Fitz Magic, if you will, it's over. Jets are going to have a new quarterback next year. Ryan, Maybe by the end of the season. Ryan Tannehill, we called it. We already said that. We checked that box off. Gigum. I mean, maybe they roll with Geno Smith to finish out the year. Cause that would be amazing. It really would. <laughs> quite the story. Well, yeah. This has been quite the story. It's been quite the episode, Jimmy. Always appreciate you stopping by. Give us uh, just a final final sort of uh, storyline or point of, of you know interest that you think will result from this week. I'll go first. I'll set the stage. I think the Raiders finish this week with some serious swag and some serious momentum in terms of the AFC West championship race. I think after the Panthers lose to the Saints, the narrative becomes Cam Newton is not a good leader. And we've had that narrative before, Ooh. and I think it props back up. It's a very annoying topic, but I think his body language, the way he's played, and just being 1-5 in five with the Super Bowl hangover, I think a new narrative forms around Cam Newton, the MVP from last season. Well, whatever narrative forms around him, we will be back to talk about next week on the RJO Show on Tuesday after all the games have come and gone, after Jimmy and I's picks are 100% accurate. And by that, I mean I'm 100% accurate. He is, I don't know the math, I'm going to say like 84% accurate um, in terms of the games he disagreed with me on. And then Jimmy will be back, right back here a week from now, projecting week seven. That's how life goes in the NFL. Are you excited? I'm always excited to talk to you, Well, especially I, on the podcast where we've got evidence of you being nice to me. I'm looking forward to it, and I'm looking forward to all of you checking it out. Make sure you subscribe to the RJO Show on iTunes or Audioboom. Make sure you watch Ocho Live every day at 3 p.m. Central Time. Jimmy watches despite saying that he doesn't. I know he does. I believe it. <laughs> So make sure you follow Jimmy on Twitter at the Jimmy Jow. You can follow me at RJ Ochoa. Check out InsideTheStar.com for the best Dallas Cowboys news and analysis on the web. We will see you next week. As always, remember, go Cowboys. And peace out. Oh, what you going to do? You want to get down? Tell me, oh, what you gonna do? Do you wanna get out? Oh, what you gonna do? You wanna get out? Oh, what you gonna do? You wanna get out? Tell me.